So we, we want to talk this morning about baptism. And I'm going to ask some questions and hopefully we'll be able to answer the questions as we go along. You'll need to concentrate this morning. Uh, you know, at school they used to say, sit up straight and listen. Or those of us who are a bit older, listen with mother and say, are you sitting comfortably? Then I'll begin. And you'll be challenged. If you, if you are going to believe that you need to be baptized, or if you say that you have been baptized as a believer, you'll be challenged. You'll be challenged. And it's necessary to know why we, why we want to be baptized and why we are baptized. So be ready. Be prepared. Paul says to be able to give an account of, of your beliefs and of your faith. There are three principles I want to get into our heads before, before we start uh, looking at baptism itself. In 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 20, no prophecy of Scripture is had from its own particular interpretation. No prophecy of Scripture is had from its own particular interpretation. What that means is, if you get a particular scripture and it says something, don't, and it seems to contradict all the rest of scripture, don't base your beliefs on that one. Look at the whole picture. It's no prophecy is a private interpretation. It's not, you can't isolate just one little truth and contradict the whole of the rest of the Bible as a result of that. That's the first thing. And then the other thing, the second one is, interpret that portion of scripture which is obscure by that which is clear. That's really saying the same thing as we said before. If you get something which is very clear in scripture and then you see a verse which is obscure on the same subject, don't put the basis on the obscure bit. Interpret the obscure one in the light of the clear one. Okay? And then the third one is let scripture interpret scripture look at the passage you're looking at and the verse that you have a problem with or you want to understand and then look at the context of that verse in the, in the chapter or in the preceding chapter or the chapter following look at the context in which that verse was stated and then look at the rest of the book say it was in John and then you look at the rest of John to see what John says on the same subject. And then if John has written another epistle or something, look and see if he mentions the same thing in his epistle. And then look at the rest of the writings in that particular testament, the New Testament, and then look at it in the light of the whole Bible. Let it work out. So, get those into our heads. Why be baptized? Why be baptized? Perhaps on the face of it, that's a very simplistic question, isn't it? Why be baptized? All the main Protestant churches, the Roman Catholic Church, the Greek Orthodox, the Russian Orthodox, the Mormons, lots of people are baptized. There must be a very good reason for it if everybody's doing it. And there is, and we look at scripture and see. But, you know, and this is something we must always learn. We don't do things because everybody else does them. 
We do them because we have a basis in Scripture. And that's something with our Christian life generally. We don't conduct our Christian life because everybody else does it a certain way. We do it in accordance with what Scripture says. That's very important. Galatians, Paul was arguing things and he says, Galatians 4.13, Nevertheless, what saith the Scriptures? Nevertheless, you might hear all the arguments, Nevertheless, what saith the Scripture? That's the only basis we have. To go on. What set the scripture? You know, even with the scripture, some people go and do their things their own way in any case. And that happened way back in, in 2 Kings 17. We have the, uh, the Israel were taken away uh, into Babylon. Uh, no, they were taken away by the Assyrians. And the Samaritans were put into, the uh, outsiders were put into Samaria where they had come from. And these people were planters. And they tried to worship God in the same way as the Israelites had. But you know what it says about them? They feared the Lord and served their own gods. They feared the Lord. And that's the way it is with a lot of people these days. They say they fear the Lord, but they go ahead and do what they like in any case. They feared the Lord, but they served their own gods. If, if, if we are looking at scripture and we're, it's pointed out to us by the Holy Spirit a certain thing don't just say oh well, that's what it says and go and do the exact opposite we discover as we go through that man has and will continue to have his own ideas about many things and our replies to all this must be what saith the scriptures now a quick look at various teachings. So I could just get this right here. Here we are. Do not carry out something. Do not carry out something just because the majority of people do it. Majorities are not always the right things. If you were to do that, you'd, you know, if you, if you were to follow the teachings of, of, of the majority, you would probably become a Hindu or a Muslim. Those are more of them than there are of us. <laughs> you might even become a Roman Catholic. Don't, don't just do things because everybody else is doing it. You know, Peter and John were, were preaching and they were put in prison. The council, the... the, the t Jewish council put them in prison and, and they were put in prison and God miraculously released them from prison an angel of God came and released them out of prison and instead of skulking off to another town they went back into where they had been preaching the day before and they started preaching again and <clears throat> the, the council met the next day and they sent the magistrates to the prison to get Peter and John out of prison but the word came back he said those two fellows aren't in prison they're, they're preaching again they brought them in and they, they, they put them on the carpet and they, they said to them, you know, you can't, you can't preach in the name of Jesus. Two things came out of the story. Peter said, we ought to obey God rather than man. That's a good principle. Obey God rather than man. Then another man got up in the council, a man called Gamaliel, and he said, well, listen, we need to be careful here. 
because, and these are the words he says, refrain from these men and let them alone, for if this counsel of the work, of this work, be of men, it might come to naught. But if it be of God, we cannot overthrow it, lest haply ye be found even to fight against God. There is that possibility that we can object to something and we may be objecting to a work of God. But that's not good advice. Just because something prospers and a lot of people do it doesn't make it right. Gamaliel wasn't a Christian. Gamaliel was on the council that was against these men, Peter and John. If you think of uh, the Muslim religion has prospered around the world. So we just don't say, well, leave it alone, it must be a work of God. The Roman Catholic Church is the same. It's wrong. But it has prospered. So don't just because things prosper and look around and say, well, they do it because it's such an amazing church. Look at the scriptures and see where and why we do things. What set the scriptures is our only guideline. I want to say this. This short study, I do not wish, I really honestly do not wish to cause resentment by perhaps exposing teaching clear and dear to somebody. But I feel I must be true to what I believe and state what I believe the scriptures clearly state. I don't want to cause resentment. What is our authority? What authority do we have or do people have for baptism? What, what is the authority? We have the highest authority. Our Lord and Saviour. And look at Mark 16. Look at Mark chapter 16. We'll have a few verses like this. Verse 15 and 16. And he said unto them, this is Jesus speaking, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, and he that believeth not shall be damned. He that believeth shall be baptized. You have to believe. If you don't believe, you're damned. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. And look in that verse, that previous verse. It's not saying that he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. What is, it's not saying that, uh, that you have to be baptized to be saved. Because it goes on to say, he that believeth not. It's the believing bit is what saves you. And it's by not believing that you're damned. Go on to Matthew 28. The Great Commission. These are both different parts of the Great Commission. Go ye therefore and teach. That means make disciples. Make disciples. Go ye and teach all nations. Make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, of the Holy Ghost. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Now, the order of Scripture is very important. We can't mess around with the order of things in the Bible. God is a God of order. He's not a God of confusion. And if he sets a thing out, Jesus said, 
a thing in a certain order, we must look at that order. We can't switch them around. So what did he say? He said, go. Go and preach the gospel and make disciples. Go and teach them and make disciples of them. That was the second thing. Go. Second thing, make disciples. The third thing, baptize them. The fourth thing, teach them everything I've said. Nurture them. Bring them up in the knowledge of the scriptures and the doctrines of the, of the word. Go and preach. Make disciples of them. Baptize them. <coughs> teach them. If you do that, he says, lo, I'm with you always. If you don't do that, we can't claim the promise at the end. Watch my knee, he says, no go, no low. That's very true. We have to do the whole thing. So we have here, it's a command of God, command of the Lord Jesus. He was telling these people, you're going out into the world, I'm going to be with you. You have my authority. All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore. Teach them. Make disciples of them. Baptize them. Nurture them. And I'll be with you. That's a good authority. That's the only authority we want. The authority of the Lord Jesus. Now, there are many false ideas and doctrines which surround <laughs> baptism. This, what appears on the face of it, to be a very simple command of the Lord Jesus. To go and make disciples and baptize and nurture that seems to most people a very simple thing but it has become a a nightmare of various doctrines let's quickly go over some of the things the main falsehood is that we are regenerated or receive salvation at baptism <clears throat> it does not regenerate we are not saved at baptism. Nobody, no matter what type of baptism, no one is saved at baptism. How do we know? How do we know that people believe this? Well, we have to look at the catechisms. What is a catechism? I looked up the dictionary meaning of a catechism and it said is it, is it, is it, it is a treatise for instruction by question and answer. They provide questions and they answer the questions. So if someone produces a catechism, you should be able to assume that the answers given to the questions are correct, easily understood, and present the truths and doctrines of that person or the body who's producing the catechism. Seems logical, because most of the catechisms are used for learning purposes. In fact, that's what it says in some of them. In fact, the, the Pope in the, at the start of the uh, Roman Catholic Catechism, he says, it, we're producing this, so if you want to know what the Catholic Church believes, you have it here. And that's, that's the way it is. So I looked up to see what the Roman Catholic Church said about catechism, about uh, baptism. 1213 is the clause. Through baptism, we are freed from sin, and reborn as sons of God 
we become members of Christ, are incorporated into the church, and made sharers in her mission. Baptism is the sacrament of regeneration through water in the word. That's what it says. Well, now, we would have expected that from the Catholic Church, wouldn't we? Their doctrines are not right. And I don't want to cause offence now, but let's go on and see what the Anglican Catechism says. They have a catechism, and it says it's for teaching. And it's to be learned by every person. When you go to for confirmation, one of the things you have to know is the catechism, the Lord's Prayer, and some other things. You must be able to recite those. Who gave you this name? That's a question in the catechism. Who gave you this name? My godfathers and godmothers in my baptism, wherein I was made a member of Christ, a child of God, and an inheritor of the kingdom of heaven. Then in the course of the service, the minister says, we yield thee hearty thanks, most merciful Father, that it hath pleased thee to regenerate this infant with thy Holy Spirit, to receive him for thine own child by adoption, and to incorporate him into thy holy church. Sadly, I, that's not true. That, that isn't according to the scriptures. And this is being repeated. You know, I have a little leaflet they produce, produced by the General Synod, to encourage people to have baptism of their child. And on the start of it, it says, baptism has always been a sign and a way of becoming a Christian. It's not. It's not. It's not. Nevertheless, what says the scriptures? That's what we have to go by. We can only go by the scriptures. How are we born again? Look at John 3. We were singing the chorus a minute ago. John 3, verse 3. <laughs> Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Verse 7, Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. Verse 5, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. A ruler once came to Jesus by night and asked him the way of salvation and light. The master in answer, in words true and plain, ye must be born again. That's the only way that we can enter the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. But remember what we said at the start, no prophet, prophecy of Scripture is had from its own particular interpretation. That is, one passage must show light on the other passages. 
So let's take that principle that we had. We, we, we looked at this verse, you must be born again. Or even the last one, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Look at the same chapter and see what those verses mean. The same chapter, the context that was said in. John three fifteen to 18. Read it. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. No word of baptism in those verses. It's belief in the name of the Son of God and what he has done. Look at the same book then. We looked at the same uh, the, the chapter, the same context. Now look at the same book. What does John say somewhere else? John says in John chapter 1 verse 12 and 13, you know the verses so well, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believed on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. We're born of God. If we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, we become sons of God. We have the power to become the sons of God, the right to become. The same author, now let's look at the same author and see what he says somewhere else in the, in the New Testament. 1 John chapter 5, verse 1. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. What does it say? Whosoever believeth that Jesus Christ, it's belief, it's belief, it's not anything else. Look at the same testament to see do other writers back this up. 1 Peter 1 verse 23. Being born again not of corruptible seed but of incorruptible by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. Verse 25 of that chapter. But the word of the Lord endureth forever and this is the word by which the gospel is preached unto you. We're born again by the word. But then you say, what is the water referring to in that verse in John? It says in verse 5, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. We are told by some that that is baptism. But we've seen that there's nowhere else in all those other verses where baptism is even thought about. And in any case, Christian baptism wasn't even instituted at that stage. So how could it have referred to baptism? Well, I'll tell you. Nicodemus was a Jewish leader. He came to Jesus to inquire how he could enter the kingdom of heaven. He said, Good Master, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou, thou doest unless God be with him. <coughs> Jesus said, You must be born again. And he says, Unless a man is born of water and of the Spirit... He was a Jewish leader. He knew his Old Testament. And the pictures in the Old Testament of sacrifice 
and uh, sacrifice under running water. Certain types of sacrifice have to be uh, done under running water. Washing. It's a figure. Use the language that this man understood. Jesus used language that he would he would know. And he said, the figure here of washing. And what is this washing? Is it baptism? No, it's washing by the word. Look at Ephesians. Ephesians 5, 25 and 26. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church, and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify it and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. That's what the water is. Washing, a picture of our, our lives being washed by the, the word of God. We are washed by the word. We're not washed by baptism. Titus 3.5 Not by works of righteousness which ye have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. That's how we're saved. That's how we're born again. We're washed by the word of God. It cleanses us. Now you note here also that it says we are not saved by works of righteousness. We're not saved by doing anything. We don't do anything. Christ has done it all. We accept our salvation. We don't do anything. No works of righteousness. Galatians 2.16 Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ, and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Anything. We can't do anything to assist God in saving us. Revelations 1 verse 5 And from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of earth unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. That's how we're saved. And finally 1 Peter 1 23 Being born again not of corruptible seed but of incorruptible by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. So, I think we've got that particular question covered. Who then should be baptized? Let's go back to the command of Jesus as he commissioned his disciples. He said, go therefore and teach, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. According to this command, only those to be baptized are those who have been taught and have been made disciples. And was this carried out by the apostles? Was this the way they carried out the, in, in, in the book of Acts and elsewhere? Let's look and see. On the day of Pentecost, Peter was up preaching and he said, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Repent. Repent. 
And when we come in repentance to the Lord Jesus Christ and ask him to forgive us our sins, we receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And then he says, be baptized. Repentance must come first. And it says later on, those who receive the word gladly were baptized. We go to the story of Philip and the, and the Ethiopian, the, the, the Chancellor of the Exchequer who was coming from Ethiopia and he'd been to Jerusalem and he'd obviously bought a copy of the scriptures and he was reading Isaiah. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before our shearers is done so he opened not his mouth. And Peter, uh, Philip was told to go by the Holy Spirit and joined himself to the man and the man said, who's, who's the prophet talking about? And it says, Philip preached unto him Jesus. Out of that story he was able to tell him all about the Lord Jesus Christ. And he obviously told him when people believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, they're baptized. And then the, 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 the Ethiopian said, well, I, I, what, what's stopping me being baptized? And he said, if you believe in all thine heart, if you believe in all thine heart, thou mayest. And he said, I believe, I believe. It's based on the man's faith. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Oh, yes, he said, I, I, I accept that. Then Philip said, there's nothing to stop you. And they stopped the chariot, and there was the, the, the Ethiopian said, there, there's, there's a, a little oasis over there. What's stopping you? Come on, we'll do it now. And they went down, both of them, into the water, and Philip baptized. Philip again, in, 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 in Acts 8.12. And when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. They believed and they were baptized. Paul and Silas, they, 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 they were singing in the jail. Remember, they'd been locked up in the jail and they'd been flogged and, and they were singing choruses. And, and suddenly there was an earthquake and, and all the doors of the place opened and they could have escaped and the man, the, the jailer came running in, he was going to kill himself, he was going to fall on his sword because he thought all the prisoners had escaped and that was the end as far as he was concerned. It's curtains. And Phil, uh, uh, Paul said, no, don't kill yourself, we're all here. And he, he realized these men had something and he said, you've been preaching about this Jesus, what must I do to be saved? What must I do? believe on the Lord Jesus Christ he said and you'll be saved and thy house they spake unto him the word of the Lord and all that were in his house they all got round he got them in got the family together he said listen to this man these men were singing we flogged them a few hours ago they were singing they didn't escape when they, when they could have escaped and now they're telling us about this Jesus And he took them that same hour, and he washed their stripes and was baptized, he and all his straightway. When he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced. Why had he been baptized, it says here? Believing in God. He was believing in God with all his house. His family were converted, and they were baptized. What about infants? You know, there's not one verse, not one verse in Scripture, not one, that shows the babies were baptized. Not one. 
People will produce that thing about the Ethiopian, the, the, um, the jailer, saying, oh, well, all his family were included. But it says, believing in God with all his house. You know, the old thing is that they were all over 23. And they say, how do you know that? Well, the same way as they know there were some babies. You know? Read what it says. Don't read into the Bible. Just read the Bible. I, I, I'm sorry, but I do not believe that infant baptism is scriptural. What about somebody who has already been baptized as a baby? Can they be baptized again? That's the old chestnut. That is one thing you'll come up against. Where you're baptized as a baby, then you shouldn't be baptized again. Well, I honestly, and, and I have to say this, I believe that infant baptism is a falsehood. And it is a deceit based originally on Roman Catholic superstition. Then accepted, never got rid of by other denominations. And I believe it's not in line with the clear teaching of Scripture. And I don't see any reason why that should stop anyone being baptized as a believer. Because the other was based on a falsehood. How should we be baptized? Again, you know, how should we be baptized? There are different ways. We have sprinkling of babies, immersing babies, sprinkling adults, immersing adults. You, oh, so many different ways. Nevertheless, what saith the scripture? Getting on. Do we have any examples to follow? We saw where Philip got down out of the chariot with the Ethiopian and they went down, both of them, into the water and he baptized him. The whole picture of baptism is dying and rising again. We die, hence totally under the water, and rise again. That's the picture. It's a picture of death. Death to this world and rising again in newness of life. There are no other methods even hinted at in Scripture. No, there aren't. If you can't show them to me, I, you know, if anybody can produce one verse, one verse that indicates that babies were baptized, I'd be interested to hear it. You know, you'll hear plenty of assertions. At the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people were, were converted and baptized. How could that happen? How could you baptize 3,000 people in a day? I don't know. But the Bible says it was done. And I, until, until I can see why it wasn't done, I'll believe what the Bible says. 3,000 souls were baptized and they were added to the church that day. If it says 3,000, if it says 4,000, that's what it says. 
Don't read into things and problems. Prepared in simple faith to believe that it happened. And we are baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. That's how we're baptized. That's the formula used by Christians in most denominations. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. What is the significance of believers' baptism? Turn to Romans 6. And we're getting near the end. <clears throat> and this is important. Are you ignorant? I, I, I'll read it, and I think this is a slightly different translation than we have in the authorized. Are you ignorant that we, as many as have been baptized unto Christ Jesus, not into, it should be unto, have been baptized unto his death. We have been buried therefore with him by baptism unto death in order that even as Christ has been raised up from among the dead by the glory of the Father, so we also should walk in newness of life. That's the picture. Dying to Christ, being baptized, and coming up again in newness of life. For if we become identified with him in the likeness of his death, so also shall we be of his resurrection. You see, baptism is a wonderful way of showing that we totally belong to Christ and own him as Savior and Lord. That's the picture. That's what it is. We identify with him and seek to live for him. We identify with him by dying to the world dying to, to, to self, dying to the things which will hold us back, and we're coming up in newness of life. That's the picture. That's what it is. Baptism testifies to my union with Christ in his burial and in his death. 1 Corinthians 15, 3-4. Christ died for our sins, he was buried, and he rose again. And that's the picture of baptism. Colossians 2.12 And you were buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. It's a wonderful picture. Baptism illustrates my new life as a Christian. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore if any man be in Christ he is a new creation, a new creature. We're new. We're not just an old creature made up of, of, uh, and put together and, and the old bit all sort of turn over a new leaf kind of business no, when we become Christians we become new creations in Christ old things have passed away all things have become new that's the wonderful thing you're not just somebody who's turned over a new leaf you're a new creation in Christ Jesus all things have become new Romans 6 verse 4, we read it there. We have been buried therefore with him by baptism unto death in order that even as Christ has been raised up from among the dead by the glory of the Father, so we also should walk in newness of life. That's the whole thing. We should walk then in newness of life. It's a, it's a witness to the world. It demonstrates, baptism demonstrates that I really am a believer. 
It's nailing your colors to the mast as regards people around you. That I'm, I'm a Christian. I'm following Christ. I'm, I, I believe I'm dead to the world. I want to live my life in unison. In unison. We're a new creation. And that's a picture of it. That's what it is. Acts 18.8 Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his house, and many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. That's the effect it had there. Crispus, the leader, he was baptized. And the other said, Crispus, he's become a Christian. He's baptized. They were impressed. They heard the word. They believed and they were baptized. That's the thing. And you know, it's a commandment of God. <coughs> Jesus gave the commandment, go and baptize. And look, 1 John 2 verse 3. Hereby we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. It's really not an option. It's a command. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. It's a command. It's not an optional extra. We have made it that way. To summarize, baptism doesn't make me a believer. It shows that you already believe. Baptism does not save. Only your faith in Christ saves baptism is like I saw this, it's like wearing a wedding ring it's an outward symbol of the commitment you made in your heart that's quite good it's an outward sign a commitment that you've made in your heart to follow the Lord Jesus baptism is a command if you love me keep my commandments When should I be baptized? As soon as possible. <laughs> Look, we're nearly finished just. Acts 2.41 Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. Six weeks later. Six years later. No. And the same day <laughs> they were added unto the church 3,000 souls the same day and they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house and he took them that same hour of the night these fellows it was in the middle of the night that the earthquake took place and they were so keen to be baptized that they did it in the middle of the night where did they get the water they couldn't have got the water don't worry about where they got the water uh, go on. And wash their where did they get the water to wash their stripes? You know? Um, and was baptized he and all his straightway, straightway, straightway. So there we are, leave it with you. Two ordinances left for the church by the Lord. Two ordinances. He left two ordinances to the church. Jesus left two ordinances. I'm sorry I've gone on so long. The Lord's Supper and Baptism. The Lord's Supper, the two things, he said. And in both those things, we are to remember his dying. 
<clears throat> the death of Christ is central to our faith and is the foundation of everything both of God and of man it's the death of Christ it is through the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus that we are accepted by God and have access into his presence he lived a sinless perfect life but it is his death we are told to remember the world will accept Christ as a great orator a great teacher a moralist but it is through his death that we have a hope and a future God was satisfied with the death of his son Isaiah yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him he hath put him to grief when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin he shall see his seed and he shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand he shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied by his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many or he shall bear their iniquities. Jesus Christ bore our iniquities. And it says, it pleased the Lord to bruise him, so that you and I might have eternal life. He shall look on the travail of his soul and be satisfied. God was satisfied with the death of his son for you and for me. Are you ignorant that we, as many as have been baptized unto Christ Jesus, have been baptized unto his death? We have been buried, therefore, with him by baptism unto death, in order that even as Christ has been raised up from among the dead by the glory of the Father, so we also should walk in newness of life, for we are become identified with him, in the likeness of his death so also we shall be in his resurrection 